Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome back to episode number 144 of Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith, joined by Chris Boyer. We are coming to you live. We always come to you live, I guess, <laughs> uh, from the 23rd Annual Healthcare Internet Conference in Orlando, Florida. But we are sitting across the table from each other again. <laughs> we are. Yet again. We Two are. times in a month. Wow. It's a lot. What a privilege. That is a, <laughs> that is a lot. Um Quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Thank you for all the support. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our special guest and jump into the show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is, and Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews, and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand, they demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Okay, Reed, I'm excited today. We are sitting in a special podcasting room, apparently, that they reserved for us here, the Healthcare Internet Conference, and we have some illustrious people here around the table with us, and we're going to have a really good conversation, as we always do. So why don't we do a really brief introduction? I'll start here to my left, and um, go ahead. I'm Jane Crosby. I'm excited to be here. I'm the VP of Strategy and Business Development at True North Custom. Awesome. Jared Johnson, I'm a digital business strategist. I help uh, build relevant healthcare brands, and I've got a podcast. You have a podcast too. Curtis Monlin, Associate Vice President for um, Business Development at Doximity. Awesome, Curtis. Curtis and Jared, you two are new to the show. Jane, you've been on before. Mm-hmm. All right, so Jane will show you the ropes as we go through this. <laughs> I feel honored to Just defer to Jane. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think what we're going to do, we're going to jump in and talk about some of the themes that we've been seeing uh, and talked about here at the conference, get everybody's kind of input. So this should be kind of a fun round robin, and we'll, we'll cover a number of different topics that may turn into shows in and of themselves mm-hmm. soon. So, mm-hmm. um all right, so let's let's just jump in. One thing, and Curtis, I think you brought this up initially, but um, when we were prepping for the show, but the the use of digital transformation. Are we have we decided what that means? Are we all on the same page? Is what digital transformation is? I feel like that's the most overused, nebulous term. I get at the end of the day, you want to transform your digital strategy, but I think 
we have to use terms that have more weight instead of the buzzword bingo that we currently play. So I think if we look at it from a more bite-sized perspective, that it may be more effective versus just using a term like digital transformation that means so many things to so many people. I think it has to be right-sized for the right organization and you figure out your roadmap from there. How about we, we uh, what we can do is we can synergize our digital ecosystem. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Is that, is that what you're meaning? Yes, yeah. internet of things. Or yeah. There's a few other things that we can throw out there. So the relationship economy. She <laughs> starts start saying things. Yes. Um, but I do think that's an interesting point in the sense that um, I think digital transformation does have to be defined, but it has to be defined within the organization or within the ecosystem that you participate because otherwise you're constantly going to be trying to uh, fall into someone else's track of like how this should go, mm-hmm. right? And even though we work at similar organizations uh, in this world, they're probably not very similar in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, I don't know, Jared. What do you, do you have any thoughts? I think so too. I, I keep thinking like, what goals are we talking about when we're talking about transformation? <laughs> Is it uh, from the provider side, from the business side? It's going to be very different. Am I transforming my billing system so that I can bill you more? Am I transforming? patient access so I can actually schedule people a little easier so we can actually get you in to see the care and uh, connect you with with the providers that are actually going to give you the care you need and those goals kind of to me de- depend on uh, what, what side we're talking about and so what needs to be transformed has to do with what we're trying to achieve. So what is that Jane what is it, you spend a lot of time around content obviously so what does transformation mean as it relates to, to content? I think uh, most of our clients are just getting more and more savvy with their content strategies and understanding that it's not just throwing things on your website or on your blog to see what sticks. There is a strategy and an intentionality behind content to make it work. Um, And I think more and more of our health system marketers are getting better at that. Uh, Digitally, I think it's something that needs to just be a, a given that we're online and that our strategies are really strong. Um, I'm only 26, so I went to school and literally took a final my senior year on a boat on my phone. And so it's one of those things that like when I go to Fairview's website and pick my own adventure, I'm not going to make an appointment at Fairview. I'm going to go to Health Partners instead. Way to throw me under the bus there. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) Come on. I'm working on it. But but what you're talking about, I mean, and I like, Curtis, coming back to what you said, right? It's like thinking about it as like more more smaller bite-sized things. Mm -hmm. To me, though, digital transformation is something that's a little bit different. It's not about the tools, right? It's about the, the culture. It's about the processes, right? I mean, you could build strategies, and I've built a lot of great strategies that never get followed. Yeah. Trust me. But, I mean, don't you guys think that that's kind of more what they mean by digital transformation? Yeah, I, I think so. You're talking about people and processes, right? Yeah. Tech, don't, you know, we, we tried to throw tech at people problems for a long time and called that transformation and said, now we've got our CRM and our marketing automation platform. And now now on the on the IT side, we've got our EHR, EMR in there. So we're set. We have been transformed. Mm-hmm. And when the, the teams around them didn't change, we're experiencing a little bit of trouble there. I yeah. feel like it, yeah, it all has to do with those processes and people that have to change with it. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I do think there's an issue too of some, um, some health systems investing in bright shiny objects and not staffing appropriately or preparing appropriately to actually use them. Um, I think CRM can be a good example of that. It just never gets utilized if you don't have an FTE mm-hmm. dedicated to it. So I think there's a lot of that going on too. And to further that point, not just an FTE, but a dedicated budget to leverage it. Once yeah. you get it, 
kind of in the garage. You need to maintenance it. You need to make sure it goes <laughs> goes forward. Yeah. And you can't just say, hey, I, I spent six figures on this, this software and expect it to magic um, you have to invest behind it not with not with just people but actual dollars and assets to make it go and iterate from its initial state I just want that big easy button isn't there something like that out there I mean I thought it was CRM no I, I, I think you're absolutely right I mean this is like this this it's 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 a marathon that we're talking about mm -hmm. and the other thing i found about digital transformation is it constantly changes yeah. right the goalpost is constantly moving we think we're going to transform we're going to build that great website whatever it might be and then suddenly by the time that site goes out live people are now looking at things through their watches right and so so now we have to adjust to that or they're using alexa mm -hmm. and things like that so Technology is not the answer to the digital transformation, I don't think. I think the technology is a secondary piece. That's kind of my Well, I think it's a lot easier if it, or it would have been a lot easier if it was about the technology. Because mm -hmm. at least then you knew what you had to do, right? Yeah. Buy the thing, install the, you know, whatever. But Curtis, to your point, I, you know, we're, we've got to invest in people and time and budgets and, and the upkeep. And that's always, you know, anybody that you've ever talked to that's bought like an exotic sports car or whatever, they're like, it's not buying the car. It's the expensive part. <laughs> yes. It's like owning it over time. Yes. And it's, it's the same thing. Right. And so, so along those lines, the reason we're trying to transform, I think, is, Jane, to kind of something that, that, that you were talking about that you've seen here at the conference, but is that total customer experience, right? So we're trying to connect with people in a new way, a different way, whatever it is. Uh, but what, what does that kind of come across you know, like here at the conference? Yeah, I think a lot of people are talking about breaking that experience into its component parts and, and consumers need to be able to schedule online. They need to be able to find information about their appointment online after, um, get referrals, communicate with their providers. And I think trying to tackle all of those puzzle pieces at once can be a huge challenge for marketers. Um, but getting just one step down the funnel of implementing online scheduling is a great first step and something that I think more marketers are realizing when they think about how to build out that journey. Um, I think there's probably a lot who have tried to invest in all of the things at once and had to take a step back and start figuring out how to implement them one by one. I think that also helps you figure out which tools are the best fit for you um, because they all do different things. Every CRM solves a different need and has different requirements for utilization. Online scheduling tools are different depending on who you use. So I think taking a step back and really thinking about what you're trying to solve and how everything works together has been really important for the clients that we work with. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. What she's describing is stuff that doesn't typically sound like what a marketer does. 
honestly, right? And Reed and I have talked about this a lot, about how, it, should we just get rid of that term marketing? Should we just call ourselves digital technologists now? Or what should, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, marketing is a totally different vertical now, and it has evolved, and, and I love, like any, any cringes at the table, you know, you're currently at a health system, I was at one a year ago, you know, we, 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 can, uh, we can sense the, the, those types of things. All of us here at the table can, you know, we, uh, we're dealing with, with this on a regular basis still. And so uh, we, we know that it's different, but how is it different? Well. I remember, I think it was Joe Polizzi at one point was saying when they were trying to uh, coin the phrase content marketing and they wanted to call it something else. I don't remember what it was, but it said in some early testing, they decided they were still going to call it content marketing because their their target audience was still at the end of the day marketers and they didn't know what else to call it. And so mm -hmm. they they tried like content uh, strategy or something, something else. And they're like, no, we actually need to keep the term marketing in there. And so I think that's the only reason to even keep calling it that is that that's what people will relate to, but it's very different. This isn't your, your father's marketing, right? Like it's yeah. the vertical is very different. Yeah. I mean, since when are we concerned with more than just uh, driving revenues or right. bringing more patients, you know, patient volumes? Well, that's very little what we do these days because how much it takes to get there is so different. It's so it's so much larger, and I think that has to do with when we're talking about how to build a team. You know, that that's kind of where a lot of these conversations go. If I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago, and a lot of similar sessions here at HCAC, uh, now they all tend to have the words with data at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, how to drive patient revenue with data, how to increase access with data, how to personalize web experience with data, which is great. I mean, that's the evolution of it. Right. But that's, like you said, that's not the end of it. You, you, that, that, was, that was spot on in terms of the goalpost is going to keep changing. So I think just the recognition of that, that, that's one area where marketers ourselves, so we can help educate others on what those tasks are. I mean, you know, one of right. the, you know when, when I was focused on reading all the provider reviews, for a new website launch, you know, a year ago, and I was reading tens of thousands of them mm -hmm. to make sure that the AI didn't miss something. You know, that didn't used to be a marketer's job. That didn't even right. used to be the web person's job. It used to be a customer service job. And so, yeah, just an example of how it's evolving. It's going yeah. to keep doing it. Well, Reed, you and I have talked about this a lot too, right? Which is marketing is not what people think it is anymore. I, and I, I know that people going to these conferences, they're, they're thinking about it differently. But when yeah. we go back to our, you know, our hollowed halls, wherever we work, they're thinking about marketing and as a way of just like it's really an extension of branding and advertising. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what we, we've talked about this a number yeah. of times, like you said, and it is. We're majority of the people in these roles are advertisers, mm -hmm. not marketers. Right. right. I mean, it's just like we've talked about. Nobody's asking us where to build a new FSED or, mm -hmm. you know, what something should cost or any of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, and I'm not saying that we need to be in all those meetings necessarily, but if we're going to be marketers then that's you know then we need to be marketers I guess right so and we so, need to start educating people on what that actually means right it isn't just advertising it isn't just supporting the brand it isn't just driving patient acquisition it's about becoming experts of the customer what do you think Chris I think it's it's all about providing insight at the end of the day mm. I think that's what marketers jobs are provide insights on the journey of a customer the profile of a customer or a physician um, and then you can execute against those those insights mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that term marketer is a throwback term now because you didn't have to provide that before it was an extension of brand and and mm -hmm. um, 
you know, just advertising. And now it's so much more, and it's going to continue to get become more because as you're getting all this data, you have to turn it into something because data is nothing without the insight, and it comes that insight comes from marketing, and you execute against that in marketing. So. I feel like we're gravitating towards a more marketing insights type of, of, of business mm. versus just the traditional marketer brand ambassador that we used to be. So let it be known that Curtis just predicted that every session <laughs> next week here is going to have yes. with insights. With insights. <laughs> with insights. <laughs> so, so with data, right? I mean, I don't know, Jane, what are your thoughts about that? Probably accurate. <laughs> no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? We have to be the owners of understanding our customers, our actual customers. And that's the other thing, and that's the, another topic that we kind of brought up, which is sometimes our customers are not just patients, right? And Curtis, you come from a background of, you work with Doximity, you work a lot with physicians. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, when, when we talk about all this customer-centric consumerism and all this other stuff we're not just talking about patients right right we're absolutely not and there is a point where a patient can't even make their own choice they're following the, the guidance of the physician um, and I feel like marketers or marketing insights people um, need to really get in front of the physicians because we still have leakage as a problem we still have oh, these wow. issues where you have to educate those <laughs> educate those physicians about um, your business and what you do um, to really help drive better outcomes, all of those things. And I feel like where marketers fall down right now is they try to talk to physicians as they do a patient and they're very, very different um, audiences. And I don't think we are adept in healthcare yet to really effectively talk to our other consumer, which is the physician. It's because we don't understand them. We yeah. don't know what they want. But yeah. Jane, your company works. You do, you do publications for physicians. So what, what do you think the differences are in terms of understanding them as a consumer audience? Yeah, so we actually have a client that we're working on care paths for, so we're standardizing the approach to care for 14 service lines. So <laughs> diabetes is one, for example, and there's so much that you can do for patients with wearables and resources for uh, medication management and support and things like that. But if physicians aren't helping patients along that journey, it, it kind of all falls apart. Um, so standardizing the approach to care has been a huge part of that work. Um, low back pain is another one that we're working on. And the really interesting thing there is the dependency on opioids and surgical procedures that really aren't necessary. And getting providers to understand that they can drive costs down and get better outcomes for their patients if they don't do those things um, has been really important. But obviously, you know, overworked doctors in the ER and limited time with patients and primary care visits is a challenge. But if we can provide that education and integrate that information into EHR workflows, that's where we start to enable providers to make better decisions for their patients um, and see better outcomes. And that is, I think, to me, the core of patient experience too, because it can be as easy as it possibly can be to get in. But if you're not getting a good outcome and you're not happy with the care that you received, it kind of all falls apart. So. What I'm hearing is, as, a, as the bracing consumerism now, we have to start thinking about multiple audiences. We have to think about the yep. physician being the influencer. But I mean, I don't know. It's kind of related to, to me a little bit about when we're talking about doing patient-facing patient kind of information, we're also influencing the caregivers. So this is not new territory for us, but we're, now we mm -hmm. have to extend it to this professional audience. Well, I think, too, it's interesting depending on the organization that you're at and where you are in the country, specifically state by state, 
Um, you take somewhere like Texas where they can't employ doctors, yeah. right, versus an employed population versus, you know. So, I mean, you've got all these nuances to, like, who these people are relative to your organization from a business relationship, which, I mean, certainly influences the consumerism or the experience piece of it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, like, there's personas inside of personas, obviously, there in the sense that, like, yes, it's the physician, but are they a splitter? You know, are we? You know, are they sit. You know, are they a subspecialist? And like, how do you get to them? Anyway, it's just it's a very nuanced area of, uh, and I think we've just kind of gotten to that point mentally and gone. You know what? I'm going to go back to the consumer side and just <laughs> yeah. and just talk to patients again because they're easier um, to yeah. talk to, right? <laughs> I mean, the reason why they're MDs is because they're marketing directors, right? Yeah. Um, no, but, but Jared, why then at these conferences when we're talking about all these new technologies and tools, there's no doctors walking around learning this with us? What a great question. I wonder if it's because we, we tend to still put them all in the same box. One size fits all. All doctors do this. All doctors do that. They all behave online this way. They all pay attention to things. They consume information this way versus that. They're all the same. Uh, that's been a fallacy I've come across. I've had to overcome that myself to realize when I even started a sentence with doctors do this. I mean, there's what, a, a, a million plus providers in, in the, I, I don't know. There's yeah, a, about a million, million plus, yeah. So the, the, there's a ton, you know, how can you segment, and, and I'll say because you have the same profession, you went through not even the same training, some types of the same training, they're all going to behave the same way. Uh, that doesn't take into account different generations, uh, a lot of different factors. When I, so nowadays when I hear somebody saying doctors do this, or doctors aren't going to read that, or doctors aren't going to watch that, mm-hmm. uh, I find people like me mm-hmm. aren't going to do that. That means if, if someone says a doctor's not going to listen to a podcast, Doctor's not going to watch that video. That means that person who's saying that, more likely than not, just that's not the type of media they consume. And so, if you're not, if you're, if the goal is how to reach them, how to understand them better, so we can market to them better and include them in our in our business strategies and our business goals, well, then yeah, yeah, we better get to know them a little a little more and not assume that they're all the same. Well, I mean, we did a study of all of our physician audience. We asked them outright, "How would you prefer to be communicated with?" And you know what they said, right? Email. Have you ever communicated with a doctor via email? They don't open their emails. <laughs> Why are they saying that, right? Yeah. And that, to me, this kind of drives me crazy. I'm not sure, you know, I mean, and, and that's the other thing, right? When we talk to consumers, we do user studies, and we try to understand them and get into their psyche and talk about, like, what they're doing in a structured usability or focus group or whatever. It's a lot different than what they're actually doing, you know, when we start to look at that. Yeah. How are we going to do that with doctors? Are they going to even want us to do that? I think you just have to begin opening the doors of communication, honestly, um, because right now, and you hear it in every session, similar to what Jared was saying, all doctors do this, but every speaker seems like has a story about this annoying doctor that they make the joke about, everybody resonates with that and, and laughs at it. but. At the core of that shows a disconnect in communication. It's and not going to be perfect. It is hurtful. It is. Um, so, so I, I think it's just beginning that 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 um, that journey with them. And today's state should be, you know, improved upon tomorrow, and and so forth. And we have to look at it as an ongoing relationship instead of. The doctors think like this. We don't want to touch them, and the consumers think like that. We'll, we'd rather discuss this with them. 
Um, I think we just have to have that that open dialogue with with physicians a lot. So, more. what does it look like outside of just because uh, historically we've gone to physicians with like we want you to do this thing, yeah. right? Like we need a blogger, we yeah. you know we need a person to. So, like what like what should that cadence look like? Like what what are doctors like? How do they want to be yeah. brought into the fold? I mean, I know they're all different. Back mm-hmm. to Jared's point a while ago. There are some people that actually do want to blog or podcast or you know, whatever the scenario is, or be on you know the news station all the time to talk about flu and whatever. But you know what what are some of those things that we can start doing as marketers to, to help bring them into the fold um, in more of an organic way? Yeah, I mean I, I I'm of a firm belief that you have to find a physician champion. So find one that is respected by many physicians and then begin to include them in decisions in discussions. Let them know the results. I think a lot of times we come to doctors um, and say, hey, we're going to do this, and then they never hear from it again, and they never see the success or the outcome. So make sure that they're aware of all the great things that we're doing, all the success that we're having, and then a lot of times speak to them on their terms. So, for example, consumers love you know, patient stories about you know, my grandmother had this great outcome, and now she's back to cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Doctors, not that they don't care, they want to know how we fix grandma. So talk to them in that fashion that, yeah, that's warm and fuzzy, but for them to really resonate with that message, tell them how that doctor got grandma back to back to the family, all of those things. So meet them where they are, um, I think is one, but inclusion is, is, is the key in finding those champions. Well, to be, to be fair though, I mean, that sounds a lot like there's a certain subset of our, of our consumers mm-hmm. that are also that way, right? Mm-hmm. That are wanting to be that heavily involved. Yeah. And um, I'm doing a project right now where I work, where it's called co-production, where we're involving consumers in developing the care plan that we're going to be doing and having their voice at the table. Now that is like, I think that's what we need to be doing with our, with our consumer audience too. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I agree. And I think um, any stories of outcomes and innovation from a content strategy perspective, we've just seen so much engagement both from consumers and physicians. And it doesn't always have to be unique pieces of content. We have one client who just did a Facebook Live video on a live uh brain surgery a live awake brain surgery and it generated so much engagement in the community and the provider was really excited to be a part of it so including them that way i think can really generate a buzz both within the provider community locally and with consumers to tune in to watch somebody's brain get cut open so from an inclusion standpoint then the idea is is not to come up with the ideas ourselves and then go try to pitch them on like hey you know, don't you cut this guy's skull open yeah. and why place a guitar or whatever um they still do that like they make him play the violin or something, yes. while they're, <laughs> that is something um, yeah sorry i've not seen that somewhere uh, so but but the idea is to say hey you're a thought leader in this space. Uh, you're respected in the community, whatever it is. You know, like I can think of, uh, you know, like some EP physicians, right? That's like, hey, you know, you're like one of the world's authority on heart rhythm uh, disorders. What could we do here? You know, we want to bring you in. We want, so, to, like, to get them on up front, is what you're saying, right, Curtis? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of the idea versus yeah. like trying to sell them on this yeah. idea that we've come up with as, as marketers. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Or probably a little bit more, too, would be like, what are you hearing from your patients? What are they asking you? What do you see more frequently? 
you know, kind of put contextualizing it for them yeah. and trying to bridge that gap to the yeah. consumer, mm-hmm. I think. Because, I mean, you can ask doctors and they have great ideas about what they need to say. Yeah. Now I'm stereotyping. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. But, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Okay. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but to that point, though, in talking about the different audiences, so we talked about consumers and we talked about physicians, but there are some physicians who physicians are the consumer to them, oh, right? Boy, so you got, like, you got like the... <laughs> <laughs> but but like EP docs are one of those, right? Like they're not necessarily talk well they do sometimes I guess, but you know, a lot of what they want to do is connect with other cardiologists or people mm-hmm. in that field because they're trying to share ideas, they're trying to, you know, they've written all these papers, they've done all these things, and so there still is a business case to be made as an organization to say how do we get our expertise connected to other clinicians you know in our market in the world whatever you know whatever we're trying to do i guess yeah mm-hmm. um all right so let's let's pivot just a little bit so um we're here at the healthcare internet conference um i you know i mentioned to um to them earlier that you know wow you know the, the expo floor looks great mm-hmm. a lot of great exhibitors a lot of good stuff going on there's like sessions like all over the hotel, I feel like. You know, every hallway there's more sessions and this, that, and the other. So there's a lot being said, right? How do we prioritize or what do you start taking away from this, whether that be topically or like, you know, how what do you do now? Like you attend these conferences with what in mind? Like how, how do you get the most out of this? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, right? Because we all go home from these conferences and we're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this, 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 and this. And then two days later, you're back into the same old grind. And you're like, I got 300 emails to answer. How would you start people down the track? Well, I would say don't do it on your own. I'd say one of the biggest strengths of coming to a conference like this is the networking and and that feeling it is it's just as legit with us as with any other field of that you're not the only ones facing these struggles of trying to convince the ceo to make an investment or or you know working with providers who you know who you're not quite connecting with whatever the challenges are you're not the only one like you said reed the the conference keeps growing there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people here there's more people than ever before uh, who are facing the same challenges as you so take the time you know to to network with somebody after the conference you know everyone who, who you connected with here send them a note afterward start you know if it's even just connecting on linkedin saying hey that really was cool that we you know we chatted in the hallway or whatever nice to actually meet you face to face or whatever you know we've connected before or whatever and, and you'll find opportunities organically to just reach out to them every now and then. So it's not like a, it's not a cold call, you're not selling anything, but like that networking is just as important. So I feel like, you know, we can, we, we can all choose to do that ourselves or, or you can do it all together. And there's that strength that that's why this feels, that's why the conference feels the way it does is because you, you're able to find those who you've connected with before and you're like, oh yeah, that, that one thing, we, we figured that out together or, or whatnot. Well, and a little point of clarification to all of our vendor partner friends that it doesn't mean you send out that automated email <laughs> where you, with the name insertion to say, great seeing you at the conference. Wait, those don't work? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's that personalized conversation, right? It's like, you're right, Jared, I like that, to be able to connect. 
What do you think, Curtis? What are some things? Um, it's very similar to his, but I think just trying to come away with one tactic more than more so than one idea. Because one idea, those are things that are you, you get excited about it, but how do you operationalize it? Um, maybe finding one thing that you can you can do, you can affect that change. So one tactic from a presentation, because you're never going to be able to tackle all of those things in the midst of all your work in whatever journey you're on but you can affect one thing you can change one thing just maybe your approach anything and i think that is how you get the most out of this because you can track back and say i learned this at the conference and now i've deployed it and i see some change right yeah right jane what do you think i think the biggest thing is thinking about the problems you're trying to solve before you go try to implement new tools because the bright shiny objects can look great and sound great in presentations but if they don't prove a business case for your unique situation, they're not really going to do anything. Uh, maybe you just need to grow patient volumes. Maybe you're like Chris and you've recently gone through a merger and you need to merge websites and marketing automation platforms and all of the tools that have already been invested in in either side. Maybe you're trying to stay independent in a small market. There's a lot of different mm. problems that marketers are trying to solve today and mm. the tools out there definitely aren't a one-size-fits-all approach. Well, that's good. The one thing I'm taking away from this and that I'm going to start doing more and I hear it here in the presentations I've been at is like just and it's maybe it ties into a couple of what everybody's saying here but is start to work with people that you haven't worked with before but they're very important to what you do so maybe that one thing is is like oh now I'm going to start speaking a little bit more closely with our IT team or now I'm going to spend more time with our call center or whatever it may be but just start to build that relationship in a way that you know, um, in, in just small ways, right? You can't do it all at once, but build that one outreach, one other touch point, that might help. Touch point, I like that. Um, I had to do it. Yeah. I had to do it. <laughs> I saw what you did there. Um, so I think a lot of it is um, how you sell the idea of coming to the conference and, and the, the motivation for being here, right? So I mean, I think we've all said pieces and parts of this, but the idea a lot of times is, um, you know, how do I get the money to go to these things, travels cut, et cetera, et cetera. So if you have this thing of like, here's why I'm going, like here's a priority within our organization, there's these sessions that specifically address that, I'm gonna go because I wanna learn from them. And then there, you make the relationships, you go to the session, you do, and then you report back out, Curtis, to your point of like, hey, this is why I went, this is what I got out of it, and here's what we're now doing to better our organization. So it's kind of back to what we try to do from a marketing perspective within our own organizations, which is drive this all the way through to some level of return, right? And then over time, certainly there's other thematic things that fall out of being here and those types of things. Anyway, it just makes it. But if that's a way that you can sell the idea of being here and drive that all the way through, I think that's an interesting way of, of approaching it. Especially if you can go to multiple conferences a year, you're picking those kind of thematic reasons for, for why you're going. Well, this has been a good conversation, guys. Um, we're getting to the end of the, the podcast now, and at the end of every show, we're going to do some recommendations. I'll give you guys a second to think about that. Reed and I are going to do a little bit of going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Housekeeping, yeah. Um, so, a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, obviously, touchpoint.health is the website. Go out there and subscribe if you would to our weekly newsletter, the TPS Report. And uh, it's a great weekly kind of aggregated news from the industry, uh, 
stories and whatnot are submitted by the show hosts from the network. And so anyway, a lot of cool stuff there. So go do that. Rate, review, subscribe, certainly. And uh, check the show notes specifically for this episode. Here in a few minutes, we're going to hear from everybody the best way to connect with them. So if you want to follow up with anybody that's yep. been on the show or even a previous show, mm-hmm. it's a great way to track down all that information. This kind of rounds out, at least for this calendar year conferences, probably the next one on the agenda is South by Southwest, which is a little ways off in Austin in March. So again, it's on the weekly email. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so let's, why don't we pivot now to recommendations and how about I start with the first recommendation. I'll start us all off. Do it. And what I'm going to recommend is another podcast by a gentleman sitting here at the table. And that's the healthcare wrap. Jared, Jared's mm. podcast. We're gonna to link to it in the show notes. But you gotta to listen to his show. It's a lot of fun. You get you know a little bit of rapping. He didn't have a chance to do it here, but listen to his show. He does it a lot. Lots of great co- topics. Lots of great information out there. So my recommendation is to go download his show and give it a listen. Become a subscriber. Mine is from another podcast for all my Northerners listening. The London Fogs at Caribou Coffee are delicious. Great way to stay warm in the winter. If you don't know what a London Fog is, it's Earl Grey tea with steamed milk and vanilla. Definitely try it. And for those dairy sensitive people, you can do it with almond milk or? Probably. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Awesome. The London Fog. I'm now Mm. I need one. Sounds delicious. All right, Jared. Uh, Can I recommend something that I haven't done, but I wish I had? TSA pre-check. <laughs> hey, it's life-changing. It is life-changing. Game-changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Several times this year, so. Yeah. You yeah. have a lot right of there. MSP, right though, go with clear instead. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know. When I was last, yesterday when I was traveling, the clear line was longer than the TSA pre-check line. So I, have, I guess it depends. I, have I both. got to go around all the TSA both. pre-check people. And it's the best if you do both. That's, really? Because then you can make a yeah. choice. Then you... Is that, but that's, you can't, it's not fair for us to pile on to Jerry's Yes, well, <laughs> let's keep his recommendation. That, that's that, yes, we'll, we'll keep that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what's your recommendation, guys? Um, so a documentary I just recently watched called Requiem for the American Dream by Gore Vidal. Um, it's about 90 minutes and it is, it will change your perception of American history. So I highly recommend it. Awesome. Nice. That's cool. I am recommending an app. I've just downloaded it, so I haven't used it a ton, but it's it's really, really cool. It's called Dwell, and uh, they they call it the Spotify of Scripture. Oh, really? Don't you like when we cool. call things other things? Anyway, like the whatever, Uber of healthcare. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that's a side note. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's a really cool way to listen to Scripture, and it's really well done, read, has some music and stuff like that. So, of course, you can do one-off Scriptures where there's plans and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, it's, it's just a cool way, um, a little bit of a different way to, uh, um, I guess, read the Bible, if you will. Oh. So, yeah, Dwell. It's a really well-done app, too. Wow, oh, so. good usability. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, great recommendations. Thank you all for your time today. Let's do a really quick, like, let everybody know where you're at and how to get a hold of you online. We're going to start the other way around. Curtis, we'll start with you. Yeah, you can reach me um, via email, cmunlin at doximity.com. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn page. Um, feel free to reach out to me, Curtis D. Munlin, um, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And those are nice. probably the best two ways to get in awesome. touch. Jared? Uh, LinkedIn's probably number one, but then on Twitter, I'm at Jared Piano, say J A R E D P I A N O, or Healthcare App. Appreciate that. 
There you go. You're welcome. Jane. Uh, Jane Crosby. Uh, email's great. jcrosby at truenorthcustom.com. Uh, LinkedIn as well works. Just Jane Crosby. Nice. Very awesome. Cool. Very cool. Well, another great episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. So for Chris, Jane, Jared, Curtis, and Reed, we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.